How's everybody doing? Everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Yes, three of you did. What happened to the rest? Everyone else have a good one? What'd you eat? That's like the most important question that I always ask. What was the favorite thing that you ate? Just shout them out. Turkey. Yes. What was that? Potato filling? Green bean casserole? David, what did you eat? Stuffing. Yeah, that's a good one. My son said mashed potatoes. That's what every six-year-old likes to eat on Thanksgiving, I think, is mashed potatoes. Um, I always, my, my wife's aunt always makes these, uh, like, sweet potatoes a certain way. They're just really good. She makes them, like, brown sugar and all that mess. Probably terrible for you, but it tastes delicious. Uh, so that's what I always look forward to on Thanksgiving. Um, and we're going to dig into Thanksgiving and what it means to be thankful, but I wanted to share a little happening that, that went on with the Boltons uh, about a month ago now that just kind of blew my mind. So about a month ago, Karina and I uh, took Derek and Tyler to Disney World. Okay, so your prayers were appreciated at that point in time. If you've never taken a six-year-old and a 10-week-old to Disney World, take it from me, don't. <laughs> don't do it. It was crazy. It was stressful. Um, but we did have a good time. We had a lot of fun. Um, it was great to see. I mean, Tyler, his experience of Disney World was this. Like, he was just hanging from one of us for <laughs> the entire week. But Derek had a great time. It was awesome. He got to meet, like, Kylo Ren and Chewbacca and BB-8 and all those cool Star Wars guys. He got messed with by some stormtroopers. It was amazing. It was a good time. He loved it. Um, but by Wednesday, Karina and I were looking at each other like, I don't, I don't think we can do this another three days. How is this going to work out? But while we were there, something really cool happened. We were um, there the week of October 30th. Derek had his birthday down there. It was really neat. Um, but something else happened while we were there. Um, our first day in the park was Monday, and we went to Magic Kingdom. And we went in, everything was decorated for Halloween, right? There's uh, fall colors, leaves, and uh, pumpkins. There's jack-o'-lanterns that are carved to look like Mickey Mouse. Like, all this crazy stuff it was really neat to look at. And as we went through the parks, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that was the, the similar theme. But then Friday, we go back to Magic Kingdom. And as we're walking up to the gates, I'm like, something is different. What is so different about this place? Well, here, everything was Christmas-fied, <laughs> right? They had poinsettias up. They had Christmas trees up. They had Christmas music playing, which was, you know, awesome. Uh, Christmas music playing on loop throughout the entire park. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, this wasn't, like, a small undertaking. Like, these are four of the largest theme parks in the world that they, in one night, transitioned from Halloween to Christmas. And I got to thinking, I was like, does, does Disney not celebrate Thanksgiving? Like, is that just not something that they do? Because they seem to have fast-forwarded. They went right through um, to, to, to Christmas and Santa Claus. They'd be right past without pausing. Now, I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving is, like, my favorite holiday of the year, right? We talked about the food, right? The turkey, the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, whatever. We talked about all that, and we love that. But there's, there's this whole other element of it is of just being a day that we can spend time with our family and not really have to worry about anything else other than the lions losing again. But... <laughs> But it was, it was, it's just a great time to hang out and, and, and share fellowship with your family and friends. Um, and if you're like my family, we celebrate Thanksgiving twice in the same day, right? We go to Karina's family's house, we eat there, stuff ourselves, and then we, we, in the 15 minutes from Karina's family's house to my mom's house, it digests and everything, and then we eat again. Um, I can remember one Thanksgiving, I just got back from the deployment, and in addition to those two, um, my best friend growing up, his mom invited me over to Thanksgiving dinner. So I had three in one day. It was great, but at the end of the day, I, could, I couldn't even fit out of their house craziness. But more and more, 
each year, Thanksgiving becomes this kind of forgotten holiday, right? As we focus more on, like, Black Friday and shopping and all the sales and everything, you know, it's just becoming this forgotten thing. You know, Halloween's becoming bigger, I think, because of, like, social media. We can point, put, like, adorable pictures of our kids up on Facebook uh, to show, aren't they adorable? My goodness. <laughs> yeah, Derek was Captain Hook and Tyler was Peter Pan, you know, so we can, with Halloween, we can put pictures like that out there on Facebook for people to like and makes us feel good that we have cute kids. Uh, but then we, we fast forward on to Christmas where, you know, Santa Claus and the magic of the Christmas season take over. And before we know it, it's 2018. It's coming, guys. 2018 is right around the corner. But what about Thanksgiving? You know, even in church, because there's not really a, a religious significance to Thanksgiving, we don't, even in our church family, we don't necessarily take the time to pause and gain anything but, you know, maybe a couple pounds <laughs> during this time. But this morning, I want to kind of rewrite that narrative a little bit. And I know that we're technically past Thanksgiving, uh, but I want us as a church family to come to an understanding that, that during this time, during this Thanksgiving season, it's important to push pause, right, and make the commitment to do so in this time between Christmas, or between Thanksgiving and Christmas and into the new year, you know, and if we're going to agree to do that, to push that pause button and, 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 and spend some time with God, I think that we need to spend some time answering the question of why, right, why pause, it's up on the screen. And this morning, we're going to look at three reasons that it's important to pause, not during, just during this season, but on a regular basis, to come back to that moment of, God, I just need to push pause and spend some time with you. And we're going to pull these uh, reasons out of Psalm 118. So if you have your Bibles and want to flip back to the Old Testament, Psalm 118 is where we're going to be. Um, if not, it's going to be up on the screens, and it's, it's in your outlines as well. And if you want to pull out your outlines now, we're going to dig right into our first point, and that is that this Thanksgiving, push pause because you know that God loves you no matter what. Push pause because you know that God loves you no matter what. So Psalm 118, verses 1 through 4. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. So obviously this verse is about enduring love. And my my sincere hope is that everyone here this morning, at some point in their life, has known what it has felt like, maybe even now, knows what it feels like to be sincerely loved, to be sincerely loved. You know, some of us were introduced to this feeling by different people, right? For me, it was my parents, other people. It could be, you know, family, friends, maybe a husband, a wife, a brother, a sister, somebody has introduced you to this feeling of being sincerely loved. You know, like I said, for me, it was my parents, and they both did it in very, very different ways. You know, my dad... He wasn't the kind of person, person that showed too much emotion, right? If you were looking for, like, a hug just because, that wasn't my dad. That just wasn't how he was wired. And it wasn't that he didn't show us love. He just didn't do it with lots of hugs and loving statements and all that lovey-dovey, mushy stuff, right? <laughs> he loved us more through being there for us, right, and the things that we were involved with. Growing up, he was my scoutmaster. He was always at my wrestling matches, um, cheering me on whether I was winning or getting pinned. I won't tell you which one happened more. But he, uh, he, I would always, before I stepped out onto the mat, I knew I could look up into the stands and, and find my dad somewhere watching me. You know, he's one of those guys that when he tried to do that lovey-dovey, mushy stuff, it just came across as awkward. <laughs> Jalen, only because, it wasn't because he wasn't being sincere, it was because it wasn't in his character to act like that. But my mom, on the other hand, she was the exact opposite, right? If I needed a hug, if I needed reassurance, if I needed that lovey-dovey stuff, she was my go-to parent, 
right? Even today, she's the person I go to. My mom loves being there emotionally for us kids. You know, she's always willing to listen. She's always willing to give advice. She's always willing to give us a hug when we're having a rough day. And growing up, she showed um, her love to us, showed us that, that love that we're talking about by caring for us and being there for us. You know, she did a lot of the cooking growing up. She did a lot of the cleaning growing up. Um, she made sure that we did the important things like homework and, you know, bathe, like made sure we were clean, things like that. Uh, but she just loved us in that way that it was an outward outpouring of love from us. And even now, she's known for doing little special things for us. Like every Valentine's Day, I know at some point I'm going to get a little heart box of candy. And she does the same thing for, for Derek, and I'm, I'm sure will Tyler once he has teeth and can eat, I guess. But well, my mom and dad did, did it differently, my point is that both of them showed me what it was to be loved. They showed me what it was to be loved, and, and I passed that on to my, my kids. But here's the thing about love. If you've ever been in any kind of relationship, not just husband, wife, or parent and kid, if you've ever been in any kind of relationship, you know that love is hard. It takes work. And all of us, to include myself, fail at doing it well sometimes, right? As much as my parents did their best to show all of us kids their, their unconditional love every day, just because there was seven, in us, uh, seven of us and two of them, you know, there were times growing up where I felt like, okay, I could probably use a little bit more love. Plus, I was the middle child, so that's a whole other conversation. But it was just, it was they were outnumbered is, is, is ultimately what it was. And I know that there are times that in spite of my best efforts, I fall short in this area. Whether it's with my wife or my kids or friends and, and family, I'm sure that each of you can relate. You can think of times when you've fallen short in this area. Or even people that in your life that you've depended on for that love, they've fallen short in that area. Maybe think about right now times when you needed this, someone to show up and step up and show you that love, and that love never came. Probably all can think of those moments in our lives. But what I've come to realize in my 32 years on this earth is that people are flawed, right? 100% of the people that you interact with, 100% of the people that you depend on, they're going to let you down at some point in time. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's not if, but when. And it's why when I think about relationships, when I think about getting married, I always go back to this verse that was read during my uh, wedding. It's read, read during a lot of weddings. It's Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either one falls down, one can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So the message through the, the vast majority of, of this verse is that it's good to have good and it's important to have a companion, someone to walk through life with, someone to, to, to love you, right? And while the context here and the way that most of us know it is, is in the context of marriage, um, it doesn't have to be a bride and groom situation, right? Many of us have friends and family that are that companion for us, that show us that love and we reciprocate that love with them. But the thing that I want you to take from this first point as an answer to our, our why pause question is that every one of our relationships need a third cord, right? That last sentence in that verse, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's what I want us to take away from this first point. That third cord is Jesus, right? In my marriage, there are times when Karina and I don't necessarily show each other the love that we should. We fail each other because we're flawed. We're human. It happens. But we made the decision early on in our relationship that Christ was going to be the foundation that our relationship was built on. 
Right? He was going to be that third cord in, in, in our marriage. So it, when we fail each other in that area, rather than stewing on it and just getting more and more and upset, we can stand back and say, okay, she's flawed, he's flawed. We can fall back on the everlasting love of Jesus to carry us through that tough time. That's why that third cord is so important, because Jesus is able to do it because he loves us unconditionally and always will. So we're going to take a minute here, and I'm going to give you some time to pause and reflect on God's love and how God's love has shown up in your life and on your walk with journey, or on your walk with Jesus. But I want, I want to send you into that moment with a little bit of an explanation on this, on this Psalm 118, verses 1 through 4. There's this recurring phrase. It says, his love endures forever. David says it four times, his love endures forever. And it's actually repeated throughout Scripture more than 40 times. And when something is repeated that many times, we have the tendency to kind of gloss over it. Okay, his love endures forever, I get it. But I want to take some time and say, what does that phrase actually mean? What does it mean to have enduring love? And here are a few characteristics of enduring love that we were able to pull out. The first one is love does not change according to the behavior of the recipients of that love. I don't know about you, but I've done some things in my life and had moments in my life where I wasn't very lovable, right? I've done some things that aren't very lovable. But the truth of Scripture is that Jesus loves us in spite of those things, right? He loves us in those moments when we're not lovable. Enduring love remains strong and unyielding even in uh, the face of misfortune, and it holds on through hardship and refuses to give in. Our relationship with Jesus has ups and downs and highs and lows and twists and turns. But enduring love, God's enduring love says, I'm not just going to love you when things are good. I'm going to love you in those low points because you probably need it more than. That's what enduring love is. And lastly, enduring love is based on an unbreakable commitment from God. Because his covenant to us is eternal. Jesus hung on the cross and made the promise to us that he's going to love us. He made that commitment. He made that covenant with us. He can't unbreak that. He's not willing to. He's not going to stop loving us. His commitment made it so that he can't stop loving us. Some really powerful truths that are embedded in this, this phrase of enduring love. So now just take a few minutes, push that pause button, and know that God loves you no matter what.
Father God, we thank you for your enduring love. That you love us no matter what. You died on the cross to show us that. In Jesus' name, amen. So our second uh, why pause reason is that this Thanksgiving, push pause because you know that God is with you no matter what. You know that God is with you no matter what. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. All right, real quick, who in, the, who in here has ever felt overwhelmed? A few of you, yeah, a couple. A couple, Laura Lee hasn't, never, ever felt overwhelmed. Okay, thank you. We've, so we've, everyone knows what it feels like to have that, that overwhelm and feel like everything's surrounding you. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You don't know how you're going to dig yourself out of this hole. You know, maybe you're having one of those days or, or one of those months, or maybe it was 2017 where you just, the deck is stacked against you and you, you don't know how you're going to get out of this. And I have a perfect story that kind of illustrates this. It happened about four years ago now. Derek was like two years old, maybe a little older. And Karina, uh, Karina directs the, the musicals at East Pennsboro High School. Uh, so she had rehearsal that night. So she left me and Derek alone at our house. First mistake. Okay, so me and Derek, and it, it was truly one of those nights where everything I tried to do went wrong. If you've ever had a two-year-old, you know what that's like. Everything you tried to do just went wrong. I tried to feed Derek. It ended up on the floor. I had to clean it up. I tried to play with Derek. He ended up crying somehow. Right, all this, all this stuff is just going wrong. And we had like these errands that we had to run. I was meeting somebody at a certain time, which I was running late for. So all this stuff is mounting, right? I'm digging my hole deeper and deeper. And I'm getting more and more frustrated, more and more frustrated. And we're finally at the place where we can get out the door. And in my brilliant Sean, I'm like, oh, Derek should have something to do while I'm meeting with this person. So we, I have him in my arm and we run back to his bedroom. And he's got a little bookshelf. It's about this high. It's got two shelves on it. And it's filled with books as a two-year-old because of all the reading that he does. Uh, so, so we have this bookshelf. And I, I go, he loved like the, the seek and find books. So I went and I grabbed a couple of those off the shelf. And you know what happened. The shelf breaks, right? The shelf breaks all of his books on the floor. And in that moment, Derek's like sitting beside me. In that moment, everything I can think of to say, a two-year-old probably shouldn't hear. So all that I'm looking around, and all I can think of to do is I went, Argh! and I looked at Derek, and he's like, what happened? And then he starts busting up laughing, <laughs> and I'm looking at him, and if you ever, like, a two-year-old, that, like, belly laugh that they have is just infectious. So I can't help it. I, he's laughing. I'm laughing. It was just a moment of just, like, I don't know what else to do at this point, so I'm just going to laugh with you. <laughs> so it was, like, it was such a perfect illustration of what it is to be overwhelmed but how God can use a situation, in this situation he used Derek to, and to remind me that in spite of all that, in spite of all the stress that I was under, all the deadlines that I thought I had, he used Derek to remind me, Sean, pause, <laughs> right, and, and laugh a little bit. It's going to be okay, right? Sometimes it's a two-year-old laughing at you <laughs> that makes you that can't come to that realization. But sometimes situations, they're just out of your control, right? You have no control over them, and in those moments, God wants you to push pause and, and know that he's always with you. He knew that my deadlines and all the stress I was putting, he knew how that was all, was all going to turn out, and he used that moment with me and Derek to, to illustrate that for me. But if we go back to this passage in Psalm 118, David says, 
All the nations are surrounding him. Uh, They surrounded him like bees on every side, and he was pushed back, and he's about to fall, right? Who can relate with those statements? Like, just everything's coming in on you. I was actually thinking about this. It reminded me of the scene in Star Wars. I think it's in A A New Hope, where they're in the trash compactor, and the walls are coming in. They're trying to, like, keep keep from getting smushed. But that's what it feels like when, when you're in those moments of all that stress, and David is there right now. Right? And if he stays there, it's a pretty dire situation, but he doesn't. He says, in the name of the Lord, I'm able to cut these enemies off. He says it over and over. And then at the end, he says, at the end, he says I'm about to fall, but the Lord helped me. In the name of the Lord, I cut these off, and I'm about to fall, but the Lord is able to help me. David is pointing, to us in, pointing us in this verse to the one true source of power, the one true source of love and the one true source of help in our most difficult situations. That source, you know it, it's God. God can work those things out, and all of this points back to our first point, the everlasting love of God. His love is everlasting, which means his, his help and his ability to be there for us is everlasting. When we get into these tough spots where we feel like we're not making any headway, when we have all these stresses, when we feel the pressures of our family, of our friends, the pressures at work, the pressures of making the perfect Thanksgiving dinner, right? We have all that stuff mounting on us. When they get to us, we push pause, is what David's saying. Push pause. Push back against those walls because we know that God's love, God loves us and he's going to help us do that. Right? If we try to push back on those walls on our own, it's not going to work. But if we have the God who's always with us, pushing back alongside us, we're going to be amazed at what he can do. I can think of times where I've tried to be that person for other people. Right? People have come to me like, Sean, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And I make the mistake of trying to be the answer for them. I make the mistake of trying to insert myself into that gap and be on that wall with them. And what I should be doing is saying, you know what, I could help you. But there's somebody that who is much more well-equipped to do this than I am. And point them to the God who loves them. Point them to the powerful God that's always going to be there for them. Because in those moments when I do that, I'm letting them down. Because there's somebody that can do it a lot better than I ever could. So I want to take another moment, another opportunity to invite you to a time of pausing. Because I know, just looking at your faces, I can tell you guys relate to this message of feeling that pressure, no matter where it's coming from. Feeling that pressure, feeling overwhelmed, and not knowing where to turn. So I I want to invite you right now to invite God to help you cut those things off. Right? Invite Jesus, our eternally loving Savior, to be there with you, to cut those things down and push back on those walls for you. And if you want to use your outlines as, as just some, a place to jot things down, to say, okay, these are the things that I'm struggling with right now. These are the things that are adding pressure to my life right now. And then just lift them up to God and say, Jesus, cut these things off. Push back on this wall with me. Take a few minutes to do that right now. I still try to take control 
Cause I get scared when I can't see the end And all you want from me is to let go You're always with us. When things seem hopeless, when things seem like they're mounting up and we just can't do anything about it, you're there to cut them off with us, to push back against that wall, to stand next to us like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, and our last one this morning, our last why pause. This, this Thanksgiving, push pause because you know that God is good to you no matter what. You know that God is good to you no matter what. Psalm 118, 14 through 16. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done many things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done many things. I love 
this part of the psalm. It's basically King David's like victory cry, right? He's shouting, the Lord is my strength in my song. He's become my salvation. He's talked about God's love. He's talked about God always being with him. And now he's proclaiming for everyone that God is good and David is going to own that truth. God is good and I'm going to own that and I'm going to claim that victory. He says, the Lord's right hand has done many things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done many things. David is speaking to God's power, right? Not just power in that like he rules over everything, but his power and in his relationship with him. And he can look back on his life and all the stuff that happened. And if you know David, you know he had a lot of pressures. You know he dealt with sin. You know he dealt with a lot of stuff. But in those moments, he's able to look back and say, you know what, God, you're in all of that because you love me, because you're always with me, because you're good. Because of that, he's able to say, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my salvation. You are my song. And I got to thinking about that. Like, can I truly proclaim those things? Can we truly proclaim those things? Are each of us able to claim God's goodness with the same assurance that David does here in Psalm 118? It's not always the easiest thing to do, right? When we're going through something, when we feel like the walls are closing in on us, when we when we're wrapped up in a sin, whatever it is, there's reasons that this isn't always the easiest thing to do. It's not always easy to claim Jesus and claim that victory. But what I can tell you is the longer that you are on a journey with Christ, the more you're going to be able to look back and say, like, that was hard. That was tough. But God, you are so good in it. You are so good in it. For me, I always think back to the first time that I truly knew what it was to have to rely on Jesus to be my strength. And it was before I was even, I was even saved. It ultimately led me to salvation, and it did enable me to, to, do, to proclaim these things the way, that, the way that David did. And this is a story that happened when I was about 17. I, I may have shared this one before, but I think it, it just goes perfectly with this message of goodness. Um, a lot of you guys know Karina and I met when I was in high school. You were in high school. And when I was about 17, Karina was 16. She was in a really bad car accident. Um, she, was, she was in Hershey Med Center for about a month uh, with various injuries. I won't dig into all this, but lots of injuries. And um, before that time, I, I had come to a place where I think a lot of teenagers do, where your boyfriend or girlfriend becomes your world, right? Karina was my, that was it. The, the sun rose and set on Karina. Um, and... There was no place for God in, in that. God knew that. And so because I, I think because I was bullheaded and, and stubborn, in some ways I still am, but because of that, that personality trait, I think God had to do something drastic to get my attention. And so he did. You know, Karina was taken from me in, in, in the form of a car accident for, for a period of time. And during the, that time, I can remember you know, just crying. I'd be at, like, wrestling practice and just crying, <laughs> like, have to go out into the hallway because I couldn't go on with practice. I remember um, I, I, was, I was raised in the Catholic church, and we, there was always time before church where you could kneel and pray. And um, not really having a relationship with God, but just knowing that I should, I was kneeling and praying and just breaking out into tears. And my little brother, I remember looking at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and um, I was just a mess because basically the, the, the person that, that I had spent this, all this time with and, and had such a relationship with was, was gone. I couldn't talk to her. She was 
in a hospital. And uh, it was during that time that, that God really spoke to me through other people, right? He put me in situations where people that love Jesus and had a great relationship with Jesus were able to stop me and pray for me in a way that I had never been prayed for. God was able to show his goodness through those people and show me like, okay, like maybe there is something to this Jesus guy. Maybe there is something to the fact that Jesus loves me. Maybe there is an importance of God's knowing that God is a good God, that Jesus loves me. And obviously, if you talk to Karina now, you would never know that she was in a horrific car accident. So that was just another, another God healing her and, and me seeing that process and Karina be, being rehabilitated was just another way that God showed me, like, yeah, I'm a good God. You can trust me, Sean. And from that point on, like, I had to do some reprioritizing, right? From that point on, God, my good God, became number one in my life. And it's what's enabled me to this point, going through what was even now the toughest time of my life, dealing with that. It was a time where, where God taught me a lot, but above all else, Jesus showed me how good he is. And this is the truth that I've held on to now for 15 years. Right? 15 years later, I was 17 then, I'm 32 now. It's because of lessons like that that have stuck with me in my walk with Christ, that I'm able to, to emphatically claim victory in the same way that, G, that David did in Psalm 118. And there's other stories in my life. I'm sure each one of you could get up here and share a story or two about a tough time that you went through or something that Jesus walked through with you, and you're able to say, you know what? God, you are so good in this. We spent a lot of time here at Daybreak talking about stories. And the beautiful thing about stories is you can look back and have that conversation. I can reflect back now and say, God, thank you so much. That was terrible going through that. But the lessons that I learned about you, the love that you showed me, the goodness that you showed me, your ability just to be there for me when I needed a hug, they're going to stick with me, and I'm so thankful for them. We have a lot to be thankful for. Right? We have friends, we have family, we have jobs. The list can go on and on and on and on. But above all else, we have a God who loves us. A God who's always with us. And a God who is good. Verses 21 through 24 says, I'll give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us rejoice. David's making a point to intentionally pause to say thank you to God. Thank you for everything that, that I've been through. Thank you for the lessons you've taught me, even though they were tough. Thank you that I went through that so that I could become closer to you. David didn't do this. He didn't say thank you because someone told him to or even because he came to church one day and the pastor told, told, gave him a minute to do it and the worship band played, right? He did it because he was truly thankful. He did it because, because he loved God and wanted to show him his thankfulness, show his thankfulness to the God who in the midst of everything that he had done in his life, everything that he had gone through, his struggles, his sin, the pressures that he was under, he was able to, God was able to show him eternal love, eternal presence, and just how 
eternally good he is. Guys, we have a Savior, Jesus. Right? He hung on the cross for us. Like that's, that's enough to be thankful, but then when you think about it, he did that so that we could have this stuff. He did that to show his love, to demonstrate his love, to show his goodness and his ability to be there for us. Thank you, Jesus. So in this time between Thanksgiving and Christmas and into the new year, just intentionally spend some time and say, God, thank you. Thank you. Spend some time reflecting back on some of those, those stories that are in your life where God showed up in a way that nobody else could. Showed you that love. Showed you his power. Showed you his goodness. So again, we're going to take one last moment of pause this morning. You can pull out your response cards or just jot stuff down on your outlines to say, God, these are the areas, these are the places that you showed up. These are the places when I needed you and needed somebody, and you were there. And now I can think back on those and see just how good you are.